The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me today for Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. You know, people have asked me, friends, uh, you know, radio friends, why are you calling your podcast Be Present? So, Listen, let me tell you, I went through every possible name that you can think of. First off, a lot of the good names are already taken. So I was uh, out of luck on that that particular thing. So I just kept trying and just I kept coming back to, you know, I'm really trying to be present. I really want to be here in this moment, experiencing everything I can, being present with you wherever you are, listening anywhere uh, across the globe on the interwebs and the jungles of time and space, uh, as my friend Mike Dooley would say, you know, we're here live. I'm uh, connecting with you. So yeah, just the name of the show is just kind of a, a weekly reminder to myself to be present. So when this book came across my desk here um, from my friend Karina called Making Sense of Mindfulness, I was really excited to read this and just kind of dive in because this is something that I've been trying to do for a long time. So why I wanted to call the show Be Present is just a reminder you know, how we can just be more present and mindful in our daily lives. And so we're going to take a deep dive into this today, being more mindful. And the word mindfulness has become a major buzzword these days. I'm sure you've heard it tossed around or or have read about being mindful. And you're probably wondering, you know, what does that really mean? You know, and how can we integrate that into our lives? and, And why should we? Why would it benefit us to do that? So my guest today is going to demystify that and help us start some practices so we can start being more mindful and peaceful in our daily lives. Keith McPherson is the author of Making Sense of Mindfulness, Five Principles to Integrate Mindfulness Practice into Our Daily Lives. And Keith is a motivational speaker. He's a life coach who's been inspiring people for more than 20 years. And you can find Keith online at keithmcpherson.ca. He also has a podcast called Let's Connect that you can subscribe to on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, you know, arguably maybe a better name than Be Present. I don't know. He got it first. (laughs) So uh, I'll give him that. Um, Keith regularly does events, online courses. He does a blog as well as individual coaching sessions. So he's um, making me feel very lazy with all his accomplishments here. And to top it off, he's also an amazing musician and performer who's been on Canadian Idol. And he's toured the world as part of the band Keith and Renee. And you can hear his song Shine on his website, keithmcpherson.ca. And I do encourage that you do that because he's super talented. So um, with, with all of that, let me welcome Keith to the show. So Keith, I'm glad we could connect. Me too, Diane. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me on the show. Well, I'm so glad that you could join me and and our mutual friend Karina here sent me over the book and I really loved it. I I just finished it. It's really kind of a, a, a common sense explanation and great practices on how we can incorporate mindfulness into our daily lives here. And seriously, this is something that I've really been trying to do and have really been conscious of being for more mindful over the past couple of years. So I'm really 
I'm really glad that I was able to read through the book and I've been practicing some of the exercises in here and, and really enjoying it. So, you know, Thank let's you. just so get right into it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. it is. It's re it's really resonating. And I think it's going to resonate with a lot of other people too, when they get their hands on it. So let's just kind of break down mindfulness to begin with and just give me your definition because people might get confused or think that it means the same as meditation or something like that. And there really is a, a separate definition. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this, like you said earlier, this is totally a buzzword in our culture these days. I mean, we're hearing this in all walks of life, whether you're in the workplace or in the school environment or just reading the paper. Um, I've, I've spent like the last five years just really trying to like come up with a great definition for this word. And what I've found or what I've come to the conclusion of is mindfulness in its simplest form to me means paying attention in the present moment to yourself and others with kindness. And it sounds so basic. It sounds like, of course, I'm going to pay attention to myself in the moment with kindness and everyone around me. But let's get down to the truth of this. When you think about kindness, even towards ourself these days, I mean, I don't know about you, but I find myself constantly bombarded with thinking that's just on that primary level of thinking that is just totally beating me up and um, filled with all sorts of thoughts of criticism. And, and so this is a practice of like starting with your, your actual thinking and uh, getting into the present moment and really starting to pay attention to like, are my thoughts building me up? Are my thoughts beating me up? What's really going on right here now in this present moment that um, is really the only moment that we have? I love your show, Be Present. It's just totally that. So It, it is. It's a, it's a reminder. It really is because I really want to be able to be you know, in that moment. And I remember, um, and you mentioned uh, a couple of my favorite people, uh, Louise Hay and, and Wayne Dyer, Dr. Dyer in the book. And I remember asking Louise Hay, how often are you in the present moment? And she goes, Oh, that's a good question. Like 80% of the time. And I'm, I'm thinking, really, <laughs> you're like, you're able to do that 80% of the time. And wow. I guess, you know, that was over years and years and years of, of practice. And she lived, you know, until her 90s, 92. So she had a lot of time to do that. But it, it really a quite, is a practice, though. That's quite <laughs> Isn't a that high crazy? Number, Louise, because um, <laughs> in the studies that they've done at Harvard about this, what I found out is, on average, they find the human mind tends to wander 47% of the time, meaning that if you really think about that, I mean, I think I feel like mine's like 98% of the time my mind is wandering. But um, on average, 47% of the time, the human mind leaves the building in the present moment and goes somewhere else and is thinking about other things. And, you know, if that stat is true, if you think about it, like anybody listening to the show right now, you're actually missing out on almost half the show because your mind has gone somewhere else, right? And so um, when I hear Louise saying 80% of the time, that's pretty impressive that she... Uh, she found herself in that that state eventually. That's well, awesome. that's what she said. You know, I didn't <laughs> I didn't question. I said, okay, that sounds great. You know, I'm I'm yeah. working for that. That gives me a goal. You know, something Absolutely. to work on. But you're right. Like I'm with you. I'm I'm on the hamster wheel. I mean, my mind is constantly going. I I think that we live in I call it like a crisis of distraction. You know, we're constantly pulled in a million different directions. I'm like the queen of multitasking where. I'll be on the phone or in a meeting and I'm like, oh, I'm looking at my phone at the same time, you know, my cell phone while I'm on the phone with someone else, you know, on a Zoom call or something like that. And it's, it just gets crazy. And I feel like my, 
my brain is going to explode sometimes. And you're right, we're, we're multitasking, thinking that we're getting more done, when in reality, we're not. Absolutely. You know, we're not and finishing, we're not finishing the task. That's right. And I mean, we're living in a time right now where the world is just so sped up and everything is so accessible to us. I mean, you just hop online and um, apparently they just cleared this patent where I think it's in the next five years, it was suggesting that everything is going to be connected to the internet, including like the glass that we look out our windows and the glass in the mirror that we look at in the morning. And just the thought of that to me is like, can you imagine getting up in the morning, you're brushing your hair and all of a sudden your text messages appear on the mirror. It's like <laughs> the fact that they've got patents for this, it just increases the speed of everything to the point where we're bombarded. We are just have all this noise coming in. And how do we actually control it where we just can push the pause button and, and check in within ourselves and ask ourselves some pretty powerful questions that need to be asked in order to, to truly navigate in the world, you know? Um, just and this that morning, seems terrifying, what you just said. <laughs> well, it, it really what? is. And I'm not saying it to instill fear, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it more so to um, speak about the time that we're living in. And for so many of us, like we're walking around just accepting that this is the way it is. And um, what I found with this practice of mindfulness is there's another way and that we can actually push the pause button and take back our power in the present moment and no longer become victim to what, you know, Instagram's telling me I should like or who I should be friends with on Facebook or all the different products I should buy. It's like when we start being told that from the outside world, um, we, we lose ourselves and we lose our connection to God, to spirit, to that part of us that is our intuitive, that helps navigate. So I, I just feel like it's a crucial time to really bring this practice into the forefront for people and to offer it because it's, um, it helps us find balance and clarity. No, I agree. I mean, some of the benefits, I mean, let's just talk a little bit about what, how we can benefit mentally and physically from a mindfulness practice. I mean, you just shared a little bit um, that, you know, our minds are just racing a mile a minute. We're not really getting anything done. We're, we're probably not enjoying a lot of that, you know, so mentally we're suffering, but also, and as you, you get into this a little bit more in the book with the mind body connection, you know, physically we're suffering as well. Absolutely. I mean, um, when you really break it down, I, I, I took a lot from the ancient Hawaiians while I was writing this book because they, um, I've studied this practice called Hunakani for years, and a lot of it really resonated as I was writing the book. But the Hawaiians have a word for body. They call it kino, K-I-N-O. And um, kino means an extremely condensed collection of thoughts slash your body. They actually saw the human body as an extremely condensed collection of thoughts and memory. And when I think about it, you know, this, this relationship between our mental thinking and our physical body is so intertwined that what we're thinking about and what we're paying attention to um, in the intellect starts actually getting remembered in the physical body. So if my thoughts are all focused on things like life is hard and I get up in the morning and, you know, oh, geez, another hard day. I live here in Canada. It's cold you know, all of a sudden my body starts remembering these things and I start feeling the tension of it and the stress of it and everything gets tighter. So this practice of mindfulness, just being able to even just take a breath and to, to clear out all of the programs and the memes to get to this place of reset, it, there's so many benefits to it. Absolutely. And I was thinking about that when you, when you were just explaining, you know, how that connection is with us physically. And I was trying to remember, you know, 
how does your body feel when you're really happy? Everything's going great. It's all going your way. You know, physically you feel great. Then if you have an interaction with someone or it's not going your way, you get the flat tire or, or whatever's <laughs> happening, you know, your, your stomach constricts or, or mine does, you know, you'll, you'll get a headache, you'll have uh, muscle pains or aches. And so it, it, the more, I think the more that you pay attention to that, what's, what's going on and how you're physically reacting, then you're going to notice, you know, all those things. Absolutely, for sure. And, you know, I've been really intrigued lately um, on the coaching side of things when I'm working with people. I mean, how many of us are living with this um, limited belief thinking, you know, and at the core of a lot of the fear that we're living with, it's things like I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, uh, I'm going to fail, <laughs> you know, I'm alone. And these things play out in our lives and we start taking them on as if they're true. But um, and I love the work also of Byron Katie, who really asks this question of like, is it true? Is it true? Is it really true that you're not enough? And to start questioning your thinking as it's coming in and as you're adopting everything you're being told, like, is it true? And when you get to the core of it, I mean, is it really true that I'm not enough? It, I, I can't be sure that that is absolutely true. And if I'm focusing on that, just how that affects me mentally, physically. I mean, it, it creates a state of dis-ease. So why not start reprogramming ourselves into this place of, um, I am enough, I am worthy, um, you know, I am successful, I deserve to be happy, I, I live in a universe of love and joy. I mean, just to come into that awareness both mentally and to feel it in the body, it's, it's transformative. And in a lot of the work that I've put together, I mean, there are so many different practices that we can start integrating to really finding that balance between our mind, our body, resetting things. It's, um, it's just so crucial. I'm talking with Keith McPherson about his book, Making Sense of Mindfulness. And we are live on the air. If you want to join us, 816-251-3555 is the number to uh, get in on the conversation here. So, you know, I don't know, Keith, we might get some calls. We'll, we'll grab some people if we do. Um, but awesome. I think that you know, once people really get into this book and start doing some of these practices, they're going to see the benefits. So I wanted to go over some of the steps, you know, maybe we can get through most of them um, in the, the time that we have, uh, if not, you know, definitely uh, most of them, <laughs> some of them, <laughs> sure, you know, because I want people to be able to, uh, to do some of these practices, because I was doing some of these exercises, and some of them were real, even really surprising to me, you know, even I think you're always you're always learning. I mean, no one cannot benefit from learning something new, you know, and that I mean, that's another thing I'll, I'll mention Louise again, because she was always learning like into her 80s and 90s, she would take like ballroom dancing classes or painting classes or something like that. Because there's always, you know, some new direction that we can go into. So but anyway, let, I mean, let's talk about that self chatter, though, because I think that's something everybody does. I, I do it all the time. You know, I can't do this, or I'm afraid or this is going to fail. You know, yeah. sometimes I'll have that, that failure uh, syndrome, or what is it the imposter syndrome, you know, I'm just I'm faking it till I make it, you know, people don't realize I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I can go <laughs> on like these, these thoughts go on, you know, in, in yeah. my head. And you know, sometimes we're our own worst enemy when it comes to achieving our dreams. And one of the chapters that I really liked that you addressed, I don't think this is in principle one, but it's one of the principles of the saboteur, self-sabotage. Right. So principle I think it would be great to get into that a little bit because I think we're all doing it. Yeah, let's chat about that. Well, principle two of the, of the steps talks about this, expose the saboteur. And um, the saboteur 
is uh, some people do call it the imposter syndrome. It's that part of us that um, comes up and tells us we can't, we shouldn't, we're not good enough. It's that limiting belief conditioned mentality. And um, I mean, what's very interesting about the saboteur is, I mean, it's been said that every single one of us has one of these operating in some way. Um, I went so far in really trying to expose mine by realizing that mine in my imagination looks like this little stick character that shows up, this little stick man, and it's always talking to me, and it's telling me things like, you're talking too fast on the Diane Ray show, and it's telling me things <laughs> like, you know, you're not going to say the right thing, and you don't have the right answers, and um, you're not doing a good job. And so the thing is, for a lot of us, we, we allow that in, and it starts running our show. And actually, in essence, the sabotaging part of us actually thinks that it's keeping us safe in its, in its mind. It, it's the part of our brain that's connected to that primal fight or flight. It's that part of our brain that tells us, don't go out on the street because you might be attacked by lions. But the truth is, um, nine times out of 10, this aspect of us is really keeping us stuck in this safe place. So what I propose in this principle is to really start exposing that fear-based thinking when it comes up. Um, sometimes it doesn't come on just as a, a thought or a, a voice in your head. Some people experience this as just a feeling, like we were talking about earlier, in the body, like the tightening of your chest or that part of you where you feel like your wheels are spinning and you can't sleep at night. So to start becoming aware of when is this kind of fear-based energy or thought form coming in and affecting me in this present moment and to expose it. And there's so many really, really powerful ways to start um, exposing the saboteur. And the reason I say expose it and name it is because if we don't name it, a lot of times it just starts running our show. Like you might know people that um, literally they show up in your vicinity and they start telling you all the things to worry about and how life is going to fall apart. And they're literally a walking, talking saboteur. Um, and so to name it makes you go, okay, hang on a minute. This, this is the part of me that thinks it's keeping me safe, but in fact, it's actually preventing me from, from being present in the moment and honoring what's true and, and really trusting myself. So um, when we talk about a way to do this, one of the most powerful ways I've learned how to do this was actually inspired by Louise. Um, and it's, it happens when you're in the washroom and you're washing your hands and you look up and staring you there smack in the face is the mirror. And you look at yourself in the mirror and just consider most of us look in the mirror and what do we think? Our saboteur comes up, it's like bad hair day, <laughs> you know? It says, oh man, like you, you gotta get to the gym and it points out all of our imperfections. That's your saboteur. So the invitation is to get in front of the mirror on a regular basis to notice that your saboteur is gonna come up and say things like, this exercise is so cheesy. Like this sounds like a bad SNL skit from the 80s. And to go deeper and to see yourself and, and to start saying things or thinking if you, at the very least, like, um, hey, handsome, or hey, cutie, or I love you. You're enough. You're doing a great job today. You did a great job on the radio show, Diane or Keith. <laughs> you know, to, to get to that place where you're building yourself up. And, you know, my saboteur comes up right away and says, who do you think you are telling yourself that you're good enough and that you're beautiful and that you're smart? But who are you not to? And so to me, this is like such an important practice to get in the habit of so that we're no longer living from this place of fear-based. Um, you may have heard this acronym FEAR standing for false evidence appearing real, knowing that most of what we worry about 
doesn't actually happen in the, the present moment. It's, it's the saboteur. So. Right. That's so true. That catastrophe thinking. And it's so easy to get into that. And I love that you mentioned the mirror work. And you're right. Like you will feel ridiculous because I've been trying to do this for years. And in the beginning, when you start taking those first steps and, you know, you'll look around like, oh, did anybody hear me say that? You know, <laughs> you're beautiful. <laughs> you can do this. You're a good person. You're smart. You're capable. Um, yeah. And it's just so easy to fall into the pattern of, you know, oh, my hair is horrible. Look at those wrinkles. You know, my skin's a mess. X, Y, and Z, you know, following all of that. So even just taking that step to to start at the beginning of the day, you know, hey, it's going to be a great day. I mean, I've I've really been trying to to do that, you know, first thing when I wake up, you know, this is going to be a good day. And even talking to yourself in the third person, you know, Diane is great. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm trying all these tricks, you know, to to do that. And it is, it's a practice. It really um, to, is. And I also want to name here that um, sometimes the saboteur goes so far as to not let you feel what you're speaking in the mirror to yourself in truth. So, um, for example, sometimes I'll get in front of the mirror and I'll say, I love you or I love you, Keith. And I say the words and I see myself in the mirror, but there's absolutely no um, emotion or resonance in me. It's like there's a, there's a very um, subtle saboteur that, comes in at times and prevents me from feeling that to be uh, emotionally true. So in those moments, um, what I found is just a little shift of the wording where I see myself in the mirror and I, I rephrase it to, I want to, to, I want to love you or I want to believe you're good enough. And there's also some power in before doing it, taking a breath and pausing so that you're actually treating it as if you're standing in front of somebody that you, you really care about, you know, you're, you're, you're making the actual mental and emotional connection when you're doing it. And that in itself is very challenging because the saboteur just tries to keep you busy and not um, slowing down to feel. But I want to name that because it's uh, one thing to say, yeah, just go in front of the mirror and say you're good enough. But I, I'm really inviting you here to like also feel it to feel it to be true or you want it to be true. And, and that's really part of this transformative practice in mindfulness as well. Right. And it might take time to get to that place where you're really feeling it. Yes. So don't give up, right? That's right. It's, um, I mean, if you think about it, for most of us, we've lived most of our life with the conditioning of a saboteur running the show without being conscious of it. So this is a practice and it's something to come back to regularly. Like anything, I remember when I first started learning guitar, how challenging it was, and I did not want to go back and learn the chords. But over time, you start building a new pattern. And I get into this a lot in the book, but our unconscious mind runs on patterns. So as we get more and more familiar with a new pattern, it becomes more and more familiar and it becomes more and more true. And we start reprogramming who we are and what we want to feel in, in the moment. So... Right, and we're able to do that. Yeah, there is there is hope. And if you want to dig even further into that, you know, the whole um, the theories of neuroplasticity and how our brains, you know, can absorb new information. And there really are, you know, pathways and grooves, you know, that are are wired in there with those thoughts. And with with time and patience, you know, we can shift those thoughts and beliefs. So it, it really isn't just, you know, like woo crazy stuff like this. This is really 
can happen in, in our brains. You know, it's it's really true. So um, we're going to take a break in, in a couple of minutes, but I did want to talk about some other things that you call dream busters that can uh, kind of go under the umbrella of, of saboteur and, and self-sabotage. You know, when there's something that you really wanted to do, like if you said, okay, you know, you, always, you had mentioned guitar, you know, you always had the dream that you wanted to play guitar. Well, then these things might come up. Well, I don't have time. I don't have time to practice to do that. I don't have the money to buy a guitar. And then what about, you know, my brother said that, that I'm a loser and I could never learn. You know, so that there's a couple of things that come up right there that might totally pull the rug out from under you even attempting to learn guitar. That's totally right. So how can we yeah. kind of navigate that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the principle one in the book talks about everything begins as an inner dream. You know, what we're thinking about in the mind does actually manifest into reality, whether your dream is a positive one or one of like defeat. Um, so to start noticing uh the dream busters, I call them in the book, those common moments where you feel like I can't or I shouldn't or I'm not good enough, very powerful. Um, the top three dream busters when I was interviewing people uh, around this, I, I asked the question, what gets in the way the most for you of living your dream? And we've already touched on a couple here. Time was one of the number one, uh, that this thought pattern or dream buster of I don't have enough time to do what it is I want to do. And I have to attribute this to Robert Holden, who I absolutely love, who who talks about this whole notion of not having enough time and on the go marketing, he correlates it with, you know, this idea of you go, go through the grocery store and we're just conditioned to believe everything's grab and go. Like I've got to get somewhere somehow. And um, he, he went all the way back to how this began when somebody was taking a shower one morning and made the decision dream busting decision. I didn't have enough time to shampoo my hair with this bottle and condition it with this one. We need a two in one because I want to save time. And then all of a sudden you're out the door and you're on the go breakfast, on the go lunch. People ask you, where are you going? You say, I'm just trying to get there. And we are constantly running on this, this meme of like, there's not enough time. Have you ever asked yourself, like, where exactly are you going? Like, where are you going? And like, when are you going to get there? And, and so one of this, these pieces of like revealing a dream buster is to notice when am I telling the story there's not enough time because as soon as you do that it moves you into this anxious place of I've got to achieve and get somewhere so that was that was the number one um, well, hold, big hold on hold that thought oh, Keith we got 30 break. seconds we're going to take a short break and we're going to explore some of these other dream busters as well because these are great and I think we can all relate to these thoughts I'm talking with Keith McPherson about his book Making Sense of Mindfulness Join the conversation if you so desire. I'm Diane Ray. We'll be right back. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. 
Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. I heard from a young lady who was just starting out as a Unity minister, and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own life. And I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, Honey, you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking. To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. For over 23 years, Liz Dunn and the team at Celebrate Your Life have been presenting life-changing events with some of the world's leading spiritual teachers. Experience a Celebrate Your Life event for yourself in 2019. Tickets are available now for the International Women's Summit, March 7th to 10th in Phoenix, Arizona, featuring some of the most inspirational speakers in the realm of mind, body, and spirit. Do something for yourself this year. Go to CelebrateYourLife.com and reserve your space today. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times, and the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Enroll in the Mystery School with Maggie Whitehouse every Monday at 2 p.m. Central. Based in the U.K., Maggie is a maverick priest, comedian, and writer that'll introduce you to all things mystical. Join in the conversation with some fascinating guests and explore topics like Kabbalah, the divine feminine, shamanism, and a lot more. Explore some new ideas and provocative topics, all delivered with a sense of humor. Check out our online schedule or get the podcast on demand here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for hanging on through the break here. Welcome back to the show. I'm Diane Ray, just chatting with Keith McPherson here about his book, Making Sense of Mindfulness. I'm trying to be here, mindful, in the moment, here, present with you. And before the break, we were having a great conversation about some of our saboteurs and some of the things that we do and tell ourselves to just totally derail our dreams. And Keith calls these dream busters. So we were talking about a few, and we were... Uh, talking about how, you know, we always use the excuse that, well, we don't have any time. And, and I love that where people use that as a badge of honor sometimes, right? Well, I'm so busy, you know, I'm too busy. I, I don't have time for this. <laughs> it's too much. I'm too important. I, have, I just don't have time. So that I think that excuse comes up a lot too, you know, and then there's money. You, you mentioned a few of the big ones as, uh, 
as dream busters. So, you know, what about money? I mean, that's one we have to mention because, you know, what if you just don't have it? You just don't have the money. Yeah. Money is actually one of the top dream busters for sure. And if you think of it, just ask yourself right now as you're listening, I mean, how many times a day do I tell myself the story, there's not enough money or I'm not going to have enough. Or when you go pay your bill, Oh, I just don't know. This is going to be so hard to pay. I might not have the money. Um, so many of us are caught in that trap. I uh, recently had an awakening around money. I was on my way to the airport one morning and my wife was giving me a ride to the airport. It was an early flight. And I got to the airport and I reached into my pocket and realized that I had left my wallet at home. And I was a little late for the flight as it was. So um, my wife rushed back home to get my wallet while I waited in front of security. And uh, I get this phone call and she says, Keith, um, I don't know where your wallet is, but it's not at home. And all of a sudden, I just feel myself going into saboteur panic mode thinking, I've got to fly to Toronto and I have no money. What am I going to do? And um, so I took the risk and I, I went through security and I was on the other side and I actually sat down next to this guy and I was telling him, I said, I, I have no money and I'm going to Toronto. I've got the Uber app on my phone, but that's all. And um, this guy reached into his pocket and he gave me $5 and he said, you know, I think I saw a documentary about somebody that's lived on $5 a week or something. You're, you're going to be fine. And he <laughs> gave me this money and I, I proceeded to get on the plane. And I arrive in Toronto and I step off the plane and I'm a few steps into Pearson Airport and I look down and there on the ground is a $5 bill. And I'm thinking, am I being punked right now? So no I, way. I reach, <laughs> I reach down and I, I pick it up and I'm thinking like, okay, when are the cameras going to show up to, to teach me some sort of prank or lesson or whatever? And um, in that moment, I realized, you know what, this, this has been a dream buster and I'm actually taken care of when I'm present and when I'm not worrying. Um, there's a saying in Hawaii, Ika Ponomea. It was actually an ancient greeting when they would greet each other, Ika Ponomea. And the essence of it means everything is happening perfectly on time, meaning like our meeting is perfectly on time. When I'm present in this moment, it's perfectly on time. And so as I was reaching down to pick up this $5 bill, I remember that saying, and I caught myself realizing, man, I've spent my whole morning in dream buster mode of not enough money. And all to say, I got to the hotel and I was unpacking my bags. And it turns out my wallet, because it was so early in the morning when I was packing, <laughs> was in my checked luggage. So I just think about how so often we get ourselves in these knots of like dream busting and it, it all works out in the end. So why are we spending so much time in fear mode and panic mode when when truly it's um it's just a dream buster trying to pull us away from from what's See all that right. panic and anxiety for nothing and you yes. already had it packed that's so funny and you're 10 bucks ahead and i and i was because 10 bucks got ahead 10 dollars exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's it's great amazing. yeah totally and i want to mention this other one too and what was that how was it pronounced ikaponomea Ikaponomea. I'm going to remember that. Everything's working out in the right time. Is that it? That's it. Everything's working out in perfect time. Yes. In perfect time. I love that. Now, I want to talk about the opinions of others, too, because this is something that I see a lot, maybe more so with my women friends than with my men friends. But that can really just bring things to a screeching halt, too, and and take us out of, of being mindful and bust all of our dreams. Um, why, why is that so important? Why do we care? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, this is a huge dream buster for so many of us that we we get into this mentality of, um, you know, approval seeking, meaning like I, I'm not at the root of it. It's I'm not enough. It's this belief of I'm not enough. And somehow I need to prove my worth. And this totally feeds into things like comparing ourselves and the jealousy that can seep in when we feel like someone else is doing it better than me. Um, this idea of the opinion of others. I remember Wayne Dyer used to talk about this a lot, and he used to say, you know, if you're seeking approval, um, the, the first place to go is to approve of yourself. And when you no longer are focused outwardly going, do they like me? Uh, did I do a good job? Am I going to be, you know, successful in their eyes? When you no longer go there and you turn it inwards to this place of, I approve of me, I am enough, um, there's, there's a total shift that happens, yet we've been conditioned to believe that there's always more to do and we need to prove our worth and we need to do more and be more and get more. Um, but th these are myths. These are, these are actual lies that have been programmed into us and we don't have to believe them. It's, um, I've spent most of my life as a, a touring musician and I, I have to tell you, I mean, I've, I've been guilty of this a lot in my life of, of feeling like I'm not enough. Um, getting on stage and, and did the crowd like me? Was my song well received? Am I getting a good review? And um, a few years back, I had a huge turning point. I was, um, as you mentioned in the intro, I was on Canadian Idol as a finalist. And the first part of that show was just torturous because there was all these cameras filming me on national TV. And I was just in my head thinking, like, I got to do a good job. I've got to look the part, dress the part, sing my song. And one particular day, um, when it got down to the top 20, I was in this rehearsal with this amazing vocal coach named Deb Bird. And I, I went into this audition with her and a rehearsal with her and the cameras are all filming me. And I was up in my head and the entire story was this dream buster of, I'm not going to do a good job and no one's going to like me and, and everyone's going to laugh at me. And I remember the song started in the rehearsal and I tried to sing. And in between every line of the song, my mind was so busy and caught up in this place I was stopping and talking. I was like, is this the right key? Am I doing okay, Deb? Like, are you approving of me basically? And about 30 seconds in, she just said, stop, like pause, just pause. And the music stopped. And my mind got even busier just turning with, oh, I'm totally failing right now. And I'm getting sent home. I'm getting eliminated from the show. And she just took my hands and she said, just breathe. Just take a breath with me. And we proceeded to take three deep breaths together and at the end of the third breath, she looked me in the eyes and she said, now sing. And I, it was like the most magical thing that the song came on and I started singing. And not only was I just singing the words, but I was feeling the words to this place of just, I was tearing up. Like I, it was like the music took on a new life form. And it was this switch in me of remembering, oh yeah, there's more to me than the approval of everybody watching on TV. This is about me connecting to my inner spirit. This is about me being present enough in my own confidence to be able to share as opposed to needing something. And uh, that was a huge turning point for me in this this particular area. But um, there's layers to it. What a great so shift, like, yeah. Yeah, it's not, all, it's not all solved. It's ongoing. But it's this practice of noticing the dream buster, you know. That's amazing. So how far did you get in the idol process? Because that's got to be brutal. I can just imagine, <laughs> you know, you're up there, like you said, and 
you're you're waiting for them to give you feedback, you know, essentially telling you what they didn't did or didn't like. Yeah, it's like the epitome. So that's got to be hard. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. the epitome of of this what what we're what we're talking about. So did you I mean, you did you win or uh, no. I didn't actually win the, uh, <laughs> the prize in the end, but you know what? I did win because I came away with just so much more awareness of how to um, how to live life from a place of inner approval as opposed to outer approval. And up to that point, I'd been striving in my career to get ahead and be famous and make lots of money and be the next Paul McCartney and Beatles. And it was like, hang on, pause. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I want to be liked and loved oh, I'm actually not feeling this internally. And and that shift was what I won <laughs> from being on Canadian Idol. So I guess numbers-wise, I made it down, uh, I think it was the week of the top 10 that I, it's so brutal. They call it, you get eliminated from the show. <laughs> but right. uh, I think of that as I got, I eliminated my my ego. <laughs> in, in, in that, a, in that's a so funny. That's so Beautiful. interesting. Hey, that's, I mean, that's quite an accomplishment, you know, so definitely don't think that you lost. And, oh, you know, you. you said you're a fan of Wayne. You know, Wayne would always say self-actualized people are independent of the good opinion of others. Yes. So you're you're self-actualized. Although, actually, I think he stole that from Maslow, to be true. You know? <laughs> that was his Wayne Dyer. <laughs> That's right. Right. That's right. He, put, he, put his own, he put his own Wayne Dyer spin on it. Um, which right. was amazing. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely that's an important thing to try to extricate yourself from the uh, the good opinion of others, something yeah. that we always do. So I want to talk about a couple of the other principles as, as well that uh, are so valuable. And um, I really liked the one uh, principle three, open your mind, you know, have a mind that's open to everything and attached to nothing. Yes. And so often, you know, we'll have a preconceived idea of what something's going to be or how it's going to be. And, you know, we bend ourselves into all these different shapes trying to figure out how something's going to happen. Just don't be attached to the outcome. And I think that's a practice right there because I've, I've been working on that too. Mm, yes. That's, how does that work a, for you? Absolutely. <laughs> how can you not oh, be yeah. attached to the outcome, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that um, when I think about that saying, have a mind that's open to everything and attached to nothing, um, that's, that is a very challenging way to operate in the world because um, every second that we're moving through the day, there's this opportunity to, to cling on and attach and to get caught up in, in limited thinking. Um, <laughs> there's this experiment they did with fleas where um, a flea can jump 100 times its height. And if you put a flea in a jar, it's going to jump right out of the jar. But... Um, if you put a lid on the jar, the flea jumps and hits the bottom of the lid. And over time, it learns that hitting the bottom of the lid isn't so enjoyable. So then all of a sudden, it trains itself to only jump so high as to not hit the bottom of the lid. And in this experiment, when you take the lid off the jar after the flea's learnt this pattern, it for the rest of its life, it only jumps so high as to not jump outside of the jar. It, it, it's trained itself to think that somehow... This lid is um, always there, even though it's not. And so when I think about attachment, I think this is such a great way to think about the analogy of it. It's like so many of us get stuck in these patterns of, well, this is just the way it is. And, you know, if you think about yourself stuck in that pattern like a flea in a jar, if you look up above you, there's no lid on the jar. You're like unlimited possibility. So why not open your mind to the possibility that there's more than these narrow, shallow ways of thinking um, 
that we've been talking about most of the show, fear-based thinking, and to literally write that book that's been calling at you or write that song or paint that painting or sign up for that, uh, that new sports team that you're wanting to join or ask that person out on the date that you've been just like in your head going, I don't know if they're going to want it. And to me, this is a practice of opening your mind beyond, um, beyond the attachments. And it's, it's a mindfulness practice because in order to open ourselves up, we need to, as your show says, be present in this moment. It's, um, it's in the present moment when we can open ourselves to everything around us. And in this moment, everything is alive, aware, and responsive. We are constantly um, in a universe that's trying to support us, to give us information and wisdom and awareness. And if we are attached to some thought that's happening in the future or the past, we miss out actually on the magic of what's happening when we open to this present moment, you know? Um, so that's in essence what this is all about, this, this principle. Right, and stop trying to predict the future because there's no way, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people that say they know or that they can somehow figure out what happens, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I think you can get yourself into a lot of trouble by worrying or catastrophizing or predicting what you think is going to happen in, in any given situation. You know, this, so was let, be, this was me. This was like about a year and a half ago. And I was standing in the backyard at um, the house that I'd been living in. And I, I had just gotten married. And my wife said, I want to buy a new house with you. I don't want to live in this house you've been in for 10 years. And I was like, what? You don't want to live in this house? This is like my dream house. And uh, I was in my backyard and I was just like in my head worrying about like, oh my gosh, like, are we going to be able to afford a new mortgage? Is like, is this the right decision to let go of this house? And as I was standing there in the backyard, I just paused. I took a breath. I went, hang on, practice what you preach. And as I took a breath, this butterfly flew around the corner of my house and just crossed my path. And now notice your saboteur may be coming up saying this sounds very woo-woo because I, I thought that too at the moment. And then all of a sudden this butterfly goes around the corner and I thought, hang on a minute, this is really out of season. I mean, I should preface this was in, in the middle of winter in, in Canada. It was like March and the snow was melting and there's this random butterfly flying across my path. And I was so intrigued by it. I went and looked it up. What does it mean? when a butterfly crosses your path. And the Google <laughs> report says um, it means be open to new beginnings. And I just thought, wow, like I would have missed out on that if I was attached to some other thought form of this isn't going to work out and in that busyness of my mind. So there's, there's so much power, like you're saying, in just in coming back to being here, to, to looking at things and, and awareness that everything is speaking to us. Everything has wisdom to share if we're willing to listen in the moment. And what would be a good exercise that we could share with the listeners, you know, people listening now or later on the podcast that can help them cultivate an open mind? Yes. Because it's well, going to be a little bit of practice, so this could give them something to do. This is a really practical one that's coming to me right now that I use. Um, if I were to ask you... Um, just imagine yourself walking right now. At what pace would you be walking um, that would represent your day-to-day -day life? And for most of us, when you think about the pace that you'd walk in a room right now that would represent your day-to-day -day life, some of us would actually have to be jogging. <laughs> like we're just going so fast through the motions. And if I were to ask you to just take that pace and split it in half and then split it in half again, 
and maybe one more time to split it in half. Eventually you might find yourself um, walking just a little bit slower than when you started. And so a practice of noticing what pace am I operating at as I'm going through the day has huge results on the other side. Um, if you're somebody that tends to be wired to, to go really fast as a fast walker or even in the way you speak, if your talking tends to be really, really sped up, can you split it even in half or a couple times in half and get really conscious of that? Um, to change your pace opens you up to new awareness that you would have missed out on. You know, So that, that's a really practical one that I find can be really, really effective if you put it into practice. That's a great suggestion. You know, I love doing that. I mean, I, I try to walk uh, every day. I have like a little route that I go on. And sometimes because I'm a creature of habit, I'll just keep doing this route and I won't notice anything. So I've been trying to be more mindful in in my walking, just exactly what you described, where I'll look at the colors of something or you know, what I like about this certain house and just noticing the detail and just trying to say, wow, this is so beautiful. Um, how, how did I not notice this? I, I, wa I want to share another noticing um, exercise I did one time that I really didn't like at first, but then I liked it. I was doing a meditation um, retreat with a teacher named David G. And one of the exercises that he did was, okay, you're going to stand in a line. Someone's going to stand in front of you. You're going to hold your hand out and they're going to they're going to you know be holding your hand and you're going to stare in their eyes for 30 seconds and i went oh no <laughs> this is this is too kumbaya i'm like david g i can't do this this is dumb i don't want to look in their eyes so I, I went into this exercise with all these you know weird feelings and i said okay let me just go with it like you're saying no no attachment and just notice and have the open mind so i i did and this was such a profound exercise because once i took the weirdness out of it like oh i'm looking at this person's eyes you know and thinking that it was odd i looked at their colors and i looked at how oh that person has a a, a ring of gold around this beautiful green color and their eyes are unbelievable and this exercise really affected some people very profoundly like some people would started crying and they got emotional and you know they they were just really touched and i just remember feeling how miraculous and beautiful all these people's eyes were when i just kind of focused on that and it, it was really a cool exercise and then after i told them you know i really hated that exercise when you suggested yeah. it but then when i took my resistance out and what i thought it was going to be and i just noticed how beautiful and amazing i'm like why did i never notice how beautiful and amazing the colors are in people's eyes it, it was really cool. But I, I remembered that, that exercise and I really did not want to do it because I thought it was so dumb. But then it turned it turned out to be something really cool. So while we still have some time, I, I mean, I could talk about this like all day long, but I wanted to bring up something else that I thought was a cool exercise that I did in the book. And it's called the I am exercise. And again, I found myself kind of falling into habitual thought patterns of this exercise. So maybe maybe you can explain it. The I am exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the words I am are two of the most um, truthful words that we think and that we speak in our language. I mean, there's no de denying it. Like, I am. <laughs> you are. And any version of that, um, this radio show is, uh, money is, my life is, um, those are all just very neutral statements and versions of our takes on that I am principle. Um, how we fill in the blank at the end of an I am statement uh, 
has a huge power because whatever we fill in the blank with at the end tends to shape the reality or the pattern that's going to play out in our life. So for example, like if, if I were to just list a few right now, like, and you were to just fill in the blank without overthinking it, like what's the first thing that pops up? If I were to say, fill in this blank, the world is Donald Trump. Terrible. Is. <laughs> right. Um, Depressing. <laughs> money is. Tight. My love, my love life is. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Right. If you did this right and you just like whatever you blurted out, just ask yourself, is that what I want to be believing? Like, do I want to actually believe that, you know, money is hard to come by or Donald Trump is terrible um, or my love life is like non-existent. Like if, if that's what's popping up, right, this is a pattern that's been running under the surface for you. And the invitation in a mindfulness practice is you can actually shift this over time by telling a new story because you are the story that you're telling yourself when it comes to a practice like I am. So it might seem far-fetched to say, Donald Trump is an amazing guy who's making the world a better place, right? It, like I can already feel my resistance pop up in some of that. But but here's the thing is um, Wayne used to say this, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And I'm a huge advocate for this. You know, over time, so as true. your beliefs change, everything around you starts shifting to that, to meet that. Well, this is funny. I have to share with you, to be honest, when I was doing this exercise, I tried to game the exercise. Like I tried to trick myself into saying work is so wonderful and (laughs) amazing. And like, oh, no, I can't be dishonest with myself. Like my first thought was like, work is challenging, not not in a bad way, you know, but that was what my like my thought was. And I said, okay, stop trying to game the exercise. Just really do it. And don't second guess your thoughts. You know, like I was trying to second guess myself and do the answers that I thought, well, Keith would like this answer better if mm-hmm. I said this. And it is really revealing. And I, I was aware that, well, okay, I'm, I'm believing these things. And I don't want to believe that. Like, yeah, things are challenging, you know, when you're trying to do something new. But ultimately, I, I know it will succeed. And, and I feel very strongly that it, that it will. And, you know, so it, it was just interesting where I thought, okay, I'm going to game this, you know. Uh, and yeah. and do the answers that I think should be there, but you can't yeah. do it that way. You have to really right. be honest. Yeah, so I thought impulsive. that was funny. Yeah, yeah, it, it is like the fir- like the first one. I'm like, money is tight. That was my first thing. I'm like, oh, why am I thinking that? <laughs> that that's yeah. wrong. And then not to get into the whole cycle of beating yourself up for thinking that, because that's again the saboteur energy. So it's like, okay, well, what do I want to believe? If if money is tight, or that's how I'm feeling. What do I want to believe? And how do I start telling myself that story regularly? And over time, as you start thinking it and feeling it, it your belief starts becoming the reality. And you got to be present to this kind of stuff to really shift it. And that's why I love your show title and the practice of mindfulness is it's all about being present to, to essentially my thing I am to. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. And I am... Uh, is is very powerful. You say those are two of the most powerful words in our language that we can use. I am, and I was trying to think. So, what would you say? I am what? Right in this moment. I'm put put you on the spot. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right right I now. Am, I am so grateful right now. As I was sharing on the break with you, I um this is like on my bucket list to connect with you, and I'm just I am so grateful because 
um, I've listened to you all the way back to the days of doing that work with Wayne Dyer, and I just absolutely have admired your journey. And it's I'm just so grateful that Spirit has connected us here. That I'm, I'm in a state of gratitude in the moment. If you were to ask oh, me so uh, cool. last night, it was like I am struggling. <laughs> so <there's, laughs> it's constantly shifting. But I'd rather tell the story right now of I am grateful and feel that. Oh, I love that. I am grateful. And I'm and I'm going to say I am happy because I am happy because I think, oh, this this interview has been great. <laughs> we could talk Absolutely. all day. This will be awesome. I am happy. This this went well. So, yeah, it, it, it but it's so interesting, you know, what you can find out about yourself when you just do a simple exercise like that. Oh, I yeah. am. So. Um, wow, how much time do we have left? I am pretty sure that it's not much, <laughs> maybe like a minute. <laughs> so I want to send people to your website. And I hope that they do check this out. It is keithmcpherson.ca. See, I was right. There's my music. I am uh, sure that it. there's 30 seconds. There's 30 seconds left of this show. So keithmcpherson.ca. Definitely check out Keith on the site. Pick up the book, Making Sense of Mindfulness. Take a minute. Be present wherever you are. And Keith, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Diane. You're such a delight. I love this. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.